Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Boozy Bracketology, the podcast that believes in strong drinks. Check. Strong opinions. Double check. And crowning champions. Not quite yet, but we're going to get into it. My name is Chris. I'm going to be hosting tonight, and we have got three new panelists as we round out the play-in games for the best 80s movie bracket. Tonight, we've got play-in games from both of the comedy brackets. We've got a play-in game from the teen comedy bracket, and then we've got two play-in games, two three-way play-in games for the animated film bracket. Now, remember, all winners of these brackets will move on to the final bracket, a 16-seed bracket of all winners, and we will eventually crown the best 80s movie ever made. God knows this is something that no one has opinions about. You know who's not known for not having opinions? The host of the Nerd Off Trivia Podcast, Drew Buxbaum, my friend Drew. How you doing? And you know the second question I'm going to ask. Um, yeah, the second question you're going to ask is, what am I drinking? Uh, first, let me answer the how am I doing. Uh, there's not enough hours in the day at this point. Uh, I'm frazzled, but I'm very happy to be here because I love uh, I love your little reindeer games. Um, I also discovered that I don't know how to read because I didn't read that one of these tonight was going to be a sequel, so this should be fun. And uh, the as for the what am I drinking, I almost forgot to put some beer in the fridge before, so I had to quickly throw some in the freezer so it was ready for this. Uh, we have uh, a Victory Cloudwalker Hazy Juicy IPA. Ooh. Oh, that was a beautiful pop. Love it. Ah, delicious. <laughs> that does sound delicious. Well, we're going to head on out to somewhere where I'm assuming it's getting close to winter. Down under, as they hate us saying. <laughs> Natalie from Australia, how are you doing? What are you drinking this morning? Hi, oh. I am doing very well, thank you. And we're, we're in well, what we call autumn, what you guys call fall. But today is quite chilly. I, I had a jacket on and even had my winter dressing gown on this morning. So it's miserable, rainy and windy and a bit horrible. But that's okay because I'm inside doing this. So it does <laughs> not matter what's happening outside. And the last couple of times I've been on, I have avoided alcohol given the the morning time that I'm recording. But I remembered about mimosas the other day and went, a mimosa is a brunch drink. That's an acceptable morning drink. So I have gotten myself some sparkling wine, technically not champagne. I'm not allowed to call it that these days. So it is just a sparkling white, topped it up with some orange juice and I am ready to go. Oh, this is going to be a good day. This is going to be a good day. Uh, next up, last but certainly not least, he is no stranger to our listeners here. He is a stranger to his own family, though. Brian Nash, how are you doing? What are you drinking? <laughs> I say that because you spent so much time recording with us over the last month and a half. I don't think you've seen your family. Um, I'm doing surprisingly well, considering that last night we, uh, we, we actually just finished off the sci-fi and fantasy bracket last night. Mm -hmm. And I drank myself out of beer. So tonight I am drinking something else. Tequila? I had to go ahead and uh, definitely not tequila. You dirty ringy. Um, <laughs> no, I, I went back and, and pulled all the components out and I've got my Kahlua. I have got my screwball whiskey rather than any, any kind of vodka. 
and I've got my cream to go with, we have ourselves. It's not a white Russian. It's a screw Putin. It's a screw Putin. I'll take that. Those are all sentiments we can agree on, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're not getting too far. Hell yes. (laughs) My turn. Uh, So I am on the very last of my local beer kick. Uh, The last beer run that I made, I made sure I got all local brews. This is the last of it. After this, I am moving on to the Huntsville, Alabama allocation that Mike Mott provided. This is from the Tampa Bay Brewing Company. It is an American barley wine style ale with a really cool can. Y'all can't see it because of light. It is called a moose killer. Mm. So, uh, Drew, I think you're, you're the closest to moose. So, cheers. <laughs> in, in size or location? Uh, location. Location. <laughs> you know, it's got like a pissed off. Can you see that? It's got like a pissed off moose right there on the can. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, I do. I do love our craft beer scene here in Tampa. But you're not here to listen to me. You're here to listen to our panelists. Let's jump right in. Oh, boy. We are starting with the comedy bracket. We're starting in the first of two comedy brackets because the 80s movies, y'all, we couldn't limit it to one 16-seed bracket. We couldn't even limit it to two 16-seed brackets. They've got play-in games. Play-in game number one, Weekend at Bernie's, taking on Smokey and the Bandit Part 2. And we're starting this one off with Drew. All right. So this is the one where I couldn't read. So when uh, when Chris sent me the list, I see Weekend at Bernie's versus Smokey and the Bandit, and I'm like, oh man, we're starting this we're starting this uh, list off here with an insanely difficult matchup for me because I love me some Weekend at Bernie's. You know, I I, I can't tell you how many times in a given week that you know. I, I talk about weekend at Bernieing someone. <laughs> it's it's more common than it should be. Let's let's just leave it there. But you know, I'm a, I'm a I'm a big Burt Reynolds fan. Love Smokey and the Bandit, but we're talking about Smokey and the Bandit too. So this isn't much of a conversation here. Uh, it's gonna hands down go to weekends at Bernie's. Uh, if Smokey and the Bandit had been made two years later. This would be a much longer conversation, and I might actually lean in that direction. But, uh, yeah, Weekend at Bernie's for the win. Weekend at Bernie's has picked up its first vote. Natalie, we're over to you. Okay. So, similarly, I have a bit of a a struggle with sequels. The sequel, I always have high hopes when the first one's been so good, and then it generally is a bit of a letdown, and I think Smokey and the Bandit 2 probably fits into that category. I did do a rewatch of Weekend at Bernie's and what, do you know what hit me? That when I watched it the first time, it just felt normal. And when I watched it the other day, it was so 80s. It's like a parody of the 80s. And I, I was struggling with the fact that when I watched it the first time, I was totally accepting of the fashion and the hairdos and everything about it as being the way life rolled. Anyway, once I got through that, it did keep my attention. I really enjoyed um, when when Bernie first dies, the the positioning of the actor, like when different people are interacting with him, had had me chuckling out loud a couple of times. And yeah, I think you you really can't have an eighties comedy movie bracket without Weekend at Bernie's. Plus, it's Rachel Green's actual favorite movie, 
on Friends. So for all of those reasons, it's getting my vote as well. So that ironically was in my notes, but I'm like, oh, wait, Natalie's here. She's gonna <laughs> up. I'm going to leave that for her. <laughs> Thank you, Drew. I appreciate that. <laughs> we get it. Bernie's got a 2-0 lead. Brian, do we have a sweep? Um, I actually made the same mistake Drew made. <laughs> I watched the wrong movie in prep because that's, okay, I have seen Smoking the Bandit, but it's been the 80s since I watched it. And I did enjoy it. Um, it's, and it turns out Smoking the Bandit is 78. The sequel was 1980, actually. Um, and so I had to real fast pull up the Wikipedia uh, synopsis of the plot of of the second one. I remembered that they were transporting a live uh, uh, elephant. I did not remember that they had swiped the GOP's actual mascot. <laughs> I did not remember that that's what the that the elephant was, which is even funnier. Which is actually kind of a, a few points in the right direction for that movie, but it's not weekend at Bernie's. Um. I, I love Andrew McCarthy, um, I, Jonathan Silverman, that they, they both did good. And uh, yeah, Bernie and the, the hitman who kept trying to kill Bernie, even though Bernie was already, that, that, that guy was, I don't remember the actor's name, but he was freaking brilliant. Um, so yeah, weekend at, weekend at Bernie's absolutely deserves to move on. I don't know how far it'll get, but it definitely needs to be in the main bracket. I cannot disagree, but it felt weird not having a Smokey and the Bandit movie on here. And Smokey and the Bandit one just didn't qualify. So we went with the highest seeding of the next two. And just think about it. Smokey and the Bandit 2 was the best of the Smokey and the Bandit sequels. We're moving on. (laughs) Natalie, we're starting with you on this next one. You have got the Joe Dante film The Burbs versus the classic Spies Like Us. Okay, so, so... Talking about the Burbs brings back a lot of memories. I saw that at the cinema and it was the first, I was in eighth grade and it was the first sort of mixed night out. It was a group of girls and a group of guys from school and we all went together. And I'm pretty sure I took longer getting ready for that movie night than maybe even getting ready for my wedding. It was big time in eighth grade to be going to that. And I had really high hopes for the movie. Tom Hanks, fantastic. Corey Feldman, awesome. But then I was a bit disappointed, I have to say. I'd found it to be a bit silly. I didn't find it particularly funny. I didn't really engage with the plot. So so when I look back on that, it was a, a exciting night, a rite of passage in my life, but a bit of disappointment with the movie. I'd never seen Spies Like Us, so watched it in preparation for today. And again, had high hopes. Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, that type of humour is is my kind of thing. I really like that. But again, ended up a little bit underwhelmed. I didn't think it really came through all that much. I did, I did enjoy the Jeopardy joke. All the the trivia lovers on here, I think, would enjoy the the little Jeopardy reference and and the trivial pursuit at the end. I thought that was that was good. But ultimately, again, felt a little bit underwhelmed. So this is one of my hardest choices, mainly because I don't really care which way it goes as opposed to really wanting to to choose them both um so then I thought okay I've got to make a decision so I thought it'll come down to to the actors do I want to go with Chevy Chase do I want to go with Tom Hanks and it seems like when I looked across the the films that are 
definitely in the brackets. Chevy seems a little bit more represented than Tom. So so for that reason, I'm going to give it to the Burbs, but without a lot of enthusiasm. Sorry to the Burbs fans out there. The Burbs picks up its first vote. Don't worry, guys. Tom Hanks is represented because I guarantee you Big is a very high seat on the regular bracket. All right, Brian, over to you. Where are we going here? Um, I agree. There's a lot of Chevy Chase on the, in this bracket because in the, the 80s, we hadn't learned yet just how much of a dick he is. <laughs> um, I, I am not a Chevy Chase fan, never really have been. But I do enjoy him in uh, the, the stuff that I've seen of him where he, it's an ensemble. I can put up with him to enjoy the rest of what, what's there. Um, Tom Hanks has made some wonderful movies and he also made the burbs. <laughs> um, I, this is, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of with Natalie in that this is two movies that are neither. It's, it's, it's not the best. It's not even close to the best for, for any of these, but, uh, what really kind of puts me over the top here is actually that. I freaking love Dan Aykroyd and also not Aykroyd's best and probably not his best in this uh, bracket. Um, The other thing that puts it over the top is I still, when I bumped into my buddy James, whenever we see see each other, it's doctor, 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 (laughs) doctor, doctor. I, we, we do, we still do that joke today. That's just one of those things that just stuck for us for some reason so my vote absolutely goes to spies like us on this one and with that we've got a one-to-one tie god forbid we're giving this over to drew um (laughs) the only thing i can say for this is my buzzer beater because i'm the host the only thing i can say here definitively is i don't think either one of these movies is great um, Spies Like Us, I think, holds up a lot better and still has a little bit of comedy that is relevant and funny today. Uh, there's still two Joe Dante movies left in the main bracket. I think we have got, I know for a fact we've got Gremlins, and I think Inner Space is on there as well somewhere. Uh, if not, that will be remedied. Uh, it is. It, it, I thought it's under, uh, oh God, is that sci fi? Maybe. It doesn't matter. It'll, it's on the bracket somewhere. It'll yeah. it'll be it'll be represented. Drew, that's my take on this. It's over to you. Where are we going? Ooh, ooh. So I get to do the decidering. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. Um, I wish I got to do the decidering in a, in a better pick here, because as everyone's pointed out, this is nobody's best work on this list (laughs) it's you know it's it's two films when you look at the cast that you sit down and you think this is going to be an entertaining evening of movie and you're just very underwhelmed by both um that being said both of these films have like two of my favorite film tropes in it with with the with the burbs you have like the rear window-esque plot and you know with with spies like us, you have like the bumbling decoy plot. Those are both favorite, favorite movie tropes of mine. Um, but one's, one's lived on a little more. I mean, 
Family Guy has had a, a lovely Spies Like Us uh, parody where uh, Ronald Reagan went on and uh, hired the characters as actual spies because he thought they were real. Uh, <laughs> so that that kind of that kind of goes into the it holds up a little better too because it's made it even more into uh, modern pop culture. Uh, Two underwhelming films, but I am going to tip it to uh, to Spies Like Us. With that, Spies Like Us is going to move on to the main game, and I believe it moves on as a 16 seed, so that'll be a very interesting matchup as it goes up against either the one. It'll be either the one or the two seed in that portion of the bracket. We're going to move on because this one here, get y'all, this, this next pick should be on the main bracket. There's no getting around it. Both these movies should be on the main bracket. But what I did when I put the bracket together is I grouped movies in the same franchise and put them up against each other so we can get the biggest amount of, uh, of, of what's the word I'm looking for? I, w- I wanted the biggest audience possible. I wanted the, the biggest possible candidate pool to be on the bracket. So because of that, this play-in game is to see which movie will be the two seed on this side of the bracket. Is it going to be the classic National Lampoon's Vacation or the holiday classic National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? And it's oddly fitting that Brian is kicking us off. (laughs) (laughs) The guy who just said, I can't stand Chevy Chase. Fuck that Chevy Chase guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So for, for Chevy Chase movies, like the not, not even, you know, ensembles where he's one of the mains like we will be talking about soon um like the next matchup but the movies where chevy chase is the actual star of the show um there are not many of those that i want to watch uh but if i'm going to watch one it's going to be a vacation movie because those are genuinely his funniest work as a solo star in my opinion so then it comes down to okay do we we have to make the decision are we going with the classic or are we going with the arguably the the one that i i think that christmas vacation is the most quotable of the franchise um both of them definitely have their their shining moments both of them have their cringy moments. I think what's going to put it over the top, actually, is Randy Quaid. Because Cousin Eddie, you, you get introduced to Cousin Eddie and you get, you get, things get set with Cousin Eddie in vacation and you realize what we're, what's going on there. But, uh, my sister and her husband went to a Christmas uh, thing a couple of years ago, and they both dressed up in costume unexpectedly and showed up to this like like lighting of the tree, you know, the, the tree walk, you know, outdoor Christmas walk thing, and they showed up in costumes. And she did some sort of she was a Christmas tree or something. He showed up as cousin Eddie. <laughs> the first 
full on with the hat and the the robe and everything. And because I love my brother-in-law, Sean, I'm going to give him the vote. And my vote goes to Christmas Vacation. Whew. Christmas Vacation's got a 1-0 lead. Drew, we're over to you. This was definitely one of the hard matchups here. Uh, You know, very, very clearly the the two best movies in the vacation franchise. Although I do love me some Vegas and European vacation, too. So um, I mean, we could sit we could sit here and just do a vacation movie bracket, mini bracket. (laughs) (laughs) But these are by far the best two and you know I, I i feel both are super relatable in that with vacation you have you know the zany antics of a family road trip and with christmas vacation you have you know dysfunctional family around the holidays everyone can relate to those and that's that's why you know both i think have gone down to such classics but here's here's the 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 the, the long and short of it for me one of these movies I watch maybe every five years or so. One of these movies, I watch four times a season when the holidays come around. So my my vote can be summed up in five words. Merry Christmas, Shitter was full. (laughs) (laughs) And with that Vegas uh, Christmas vacation is Vegas vacation. See, almost. I love (laughs) Vegas vacation. So do I. Get some damn bait. But with that, Christmas Vacation's got its second vote. It's moving on. Natalie, over to you. What do you think? Yeah, look, I'm really happy with that. I, my The first thing I've written down for this one is you really can't go wrong here. So I think I was going to be happy either way. Um, I wasn't when it was looking like, oh, geez, maybe mine's going to have to be the deciding vote. I was feeling a little bit of pressure. So I'm, I'm quite happy that, that I can just join in with the love for Christmas Vacation. I think the original, it's such a classic and it has just kicked off this string of great movies, even right up to the 2015 one. Have any of you guys watched the one Christina Applegate and Ed Helms did a 2015 one? It's worth a look. I, I, I had... I had low hopes going into that, but um, but no, it was really good. It, it, so that that's worth a look. Um, yeah, but I think again, I said before, I'm not really into the the sequels. I'm normally a stickler for the original, but Christmas Vacation blows that rule out of the water. It's just from the the collecting of the Christmas tree through to all the debacle with the lights. There's just so many special moments, and yeah, Christmas movies are, are big in our house. We all through that sort of month of December, we're watching Christmas movies as much as we can, and that one's always in the rotation. So I wholeheartedly support the choice of putting Christmas Vacation through. Well, Christmas Vacation picks up a 3-0 victory, and all I got to say is, what the hell is wrong with you three? No! <laughs> you you want to know why uh, regular vacation gets it, it, it? There's a joke in there that, well, there's multiple in there, but there's one that makes me laugh to this day that could never get made. And it's when he gets, it's right after they leave the house and Clark gets pulled over and the dog leash is hanging at the back of the car. And the cop's like, yeah, he, he kept up for about a quarter of a mile. <laughs> oh my God. That's terrible. But it's funny. Listen, both are absolutely fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but like, I, I, I kind of agree with Brian that a large part of what, you know, tilts me in that direction is Cousin Eddie. Just his role his role in Christmas Vacation is just chef's kiss. 
Yeah. I've got you one Chevy Chase. I'm going to raise you one Randy Quaid for the batshit Oscars. Let's see who wins. Uh, I mean, (laughs) in defense of the original, the original had John Candy, though. It's true. Yeah. I I mean, it it was not an easy choice. That was a heartbreaking choice right there. I'm not going to lie because I love the original Vacation movie, but we're going to move on. I purposefully made myself the host, so no one to blame but myself. And the three of you. We're moving on. <laughs> Comedy bracket number two. The first play-in game. I love this. It is going to be Look Who's Talking versus the Three Amigos. This one here, we're back to the top. Drew, we're starting with you. This is another one where I absolutely hate you for these matchups. Um. Look Who's Talking was, like, such a definitive movie of my early childhood. Um, I I loved it. I still love it. But in my opinion, Three Amigos shouldn't be on a play-in bracket. Three, and, Three Amigos should be in the big dance already. And uh, I believe Tim is already planning on having words with you for the fact that it made a play-in bracket. (laughs) And I kind of agree with him. I was like, you don't have to have words with him. I'm already going to do it. (laughs) Um, For for me, it's hands down. Three Amigos is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, You know, I could throw it on at any point. You know, if I'm having a bad day, and uh, it just makes it better. So it's it, it's it's not even close for me. As much as I love Look Who's Talking, and as much of a great '80s movie as Look Who's Talking is, Th- Three Amigos is on an all-time greats list of mine. So, hands down, if Three Amigos picks up its first vote. I will remind our panelists that I didn't choose the seating. Rotten Tomatoes did. Oh yeah, because they're so reliable. Hey, I needed a I needed a source of, of ranking and that provided me one. So we're moving on. Um All your fault. we'll go to Natalie next. Okay. Uh so yeah, I, I was also shocked to see three amigos in the play in. I, I had a similar sort of reaction. No, I wasn't cranky at you though, Chris. I knew it wasn't your fault. Um but Thank you. but but shocked all the same. Look, I love Look Who's Talking. Saw Greece when I was six. In hindsight, maybe I was a little bit young to be watching Grease. But anyway, that's how that's how it went down. Loved John Travolta ever since and particularly love him in his comedy roles. So um, Look Who's Talking is, is definitely a favourite. And I think the concept on paper you could go, oh, that could turn out really quite cheesy, but they made it work and the addition of Bruce Willis, I think, just gave it that extra edge. So always enjoyable. But then you've got Lucky Day, Dusty Bottoms, and Ned Needlelander. It's just such an iconic comedy movie of the 80s. The the singing in the cantina, the first scene with El Guapo's men when they don't know what they're doing, and so many quotes. We still talk about being sons of motherless goats in our house. Um, I just I just love the three amigos. And where look who's talking, if it comes on, I'll sit and watch it. Three Amigos, I put it on to watch it. We we showed it to our kids a couple of years ago and it really held up. They enjoyed it and they quote it alongside us now. So I've probably given away which way I'm going to vote um, with the way I've been talking about it. But, yeah, definitely in support of the Three Amigos. But very sad to see Look Who's Talking not going through. 
And with that, Three Amigos picks up its second vote. I will also throw out there the best of the Cantina bands, Figrin the N and the Modal Nodes. Brian, over to you. Do we have a sweep? Um, so, uh, look who's talking. Yeah, it was a it was a fun ensemble. Uh, it was playing on the Bruce Willis uh, moonlighting uh, thing. He he was really kind of playing the same character just as an infant. And yeah, Kirstie Alley, John Travolta, they're all they're all good. Three Amigos. Uh, there may be a video out there somewhere on the internets of Brian and his friend Josh doing the exact line for line, move for move, my little buttercup dance. <laughs> uh, we did them as Hans und Franz and we are here to dance you up um, for, for a role-playing tournament. Uh, our, our team took third place in the Nash in the, in the NASCRAG tournament, but uh, neither here. I that that's that, okay. That's an aside. Um, I, I gave you the link if you want to watch it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I might take the audio of that and just drop it on this recording. We'll see. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, mm, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, Three Amigos is absolutely one of my favorites. It's a no brainer. Yeah, we absolutely got this one right. Three Amigos gets the sweep. Three Amigos, a strong sweep, moving it into the main game. Moving on in the comedy bracket, your next pick. I love one of these movies, and I'm afraid you're going to tear it apart. I'm not going to say which one, but your next pick is going to be Three Men and a Baby taking on the Money Pit. Just before we before we start, can I can I make sure I watch the right movie this time? We were supposed to watch uh, Three Men and a Baby, and not Three Men and a Little Lady, right? Yes, three men and a baby. <laughs> I didn't goof this time. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, my Lord. And this one here, we're starting off with Natalie. Okay, well, I'm interested to know which one you're worried we might tear apart. I'm not going to tear apart either of them. I do like them both. And, and again, another great trio, Tom Selleck, Ted Dance, and Steve Gutenberg. I reckon there would have been a lot of excitement in the casting office when, when they all said yes and that that cast came together. I love the interplay of of the three of them and I'm a sucker for sweet baby moments, happy endings. So there's a lot for me to love about three men and a baby. I also like the ghost story. Do you got did you guys know about that whole ghost in the window thing? My there was a rumor going around back at the time Chris is shaking his head that that there was a ghost that showed up in the back of the of the movie. So my brother and I rehired, we'd already seen it. We rehired the video from Blockbuster and watched it and found this little, what looked like a little kid in the background of the scene. And we were both teenagers at the time and we were freaking out. I remember my brother had his jumper up over his head, freaking out because we were so scared of this ghost. Turns out, it's, spoiler alert, turns out it's just a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson that someone had stuck behind the curtain. But it looks well, kind of freaky so. when you see it for the first time. Um, yeah, so so lots about that movie that I love. But then Tom Hanks again. Love Tom Hanks. Shelley Long in The Money Pit. I think that was really, really well done. There's some great humour in there. Um, I think they, they pull that movie together really, really well. I am, though, a person who gets kind of stressed when we renovate. 
and I've had a couple of nightmare renovation situations. Nothing as bad as the money pit, but <laughs> a few things that were not particularly fun. So to rewatch that movie can be a little bit triggering now that I've had some bad renovation experiences. So for that reason, Three Men and a Baby gets my vote. Three men and a baby pick up its first vote. Next picker goes to Brian. Oh. Well, I thought I knew where I was going to go with this. But that's a good point. Because I've also had some bad renovations. Um, Okay. So. Yes. One story is definitely more relatable than the other. Yes. (laughs) I've never had two male roommates other than when I was in the army, but we never found any babies. Um, <laughs> I so this this is genuinely a really tough choice for me. One of, one of the hardest of the night because on the one hand, I love Tom Hanks. Uh, Tom Hanks in the Money Pit was awesome. Uh, the the scene that stands out for that for me for that movie is him standing on the upper upper floor and suddenly realizes wait a minute why am i sinking and he gets caught in the floor and he's stuck in the in the rug and he's stuck like you know with his hands out out of the hole but his elbows in the hole and he's stuck and he can't go anywhere and he's making a little paper airplane to keep himself occupied he folds it up and tosses it and just ridiculous um Shelley Long was also in the movie. I, I'm not much of a Shelley Long fan, but that's so, you know. Or no, I'm not not, not Shelley Long. Um uh, yeah, Shelly Long, yeah. Shelley Long's I, the main the main woman, yeah. Mentally I just flipped Shelley Long and Shelley Duvall for a second there. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> a much more interesting movie. That would have been a much more interesting movie. <laughs> um, no. But three men and a baby. Um was talking about this work at work yesterday, actually, about what I was going to vote on. And my coworker made a very, very solid point in that Three Men and the Baby, this is an 80s movie bracket. Those three guys were the 80s. Tom Selleck, Ted Danson, and we knew we know who made Steve Gutenberg a star. It was the Stonecutters. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I was, I was solidly leaning toward money pit initially. I think I'm going to flip flop though. I'm going to give my nod to three men and a baby. Oh, Brian playing like a politician. Flip flopping is (laughs) three men and a baby picks up its second vote. It's moving on. Drew, did we make a good decision? Well, let's talk about it. Because right now, I actually want to see a version of Money Pit where, uh, you know, Tom Hanks and uh, Shelley Duvall purchase a hotel in Colorado for a really good place <laughs> and decide to renovate it. <laughs> um, I think that would be much better than the original. <laughs> But ever ever since you made that little flip flop in your head, like this is what I have been thinking about, and I can't get out of my head. <laughs> You're welcome. Hey, well, or just recast The Shining with Tom Hanks. Either way, I'm okay with it. It'll be freaking hilarious. Um, oh man, 
Um, yeah, listen, money pit, good. Three men and a baby, good. Um, but kind of like has been said, three men and a baby is just has like the definitive '80s cast in it. It's a great story. I mean, uh, it, yeah, and it. I, I I feel like I feel like I've been just doing Tom Hanks dirty on here, but you know the the matchups he's drawing. It, it it's just no. I mean, three men and a baby, hands down. Three men and a baby is going to take the win. Um, I am the right answer, of, huh? Was it the right answer according to it you? It is because I'm in the middle of a hellish renovation where I've got a bathroom that's been had a leak in it since October, and they still haven't fixed the bathroom. So money pit is a little too close to home right now. Yeah, I'm getting ready to start a renovation within you know like the next oh whenever I get around to getting it started. Three Men and a Baby is moving on, and so are we. We are out of the comedy section of the bracket. We're moving into the teen comedy section of the bracket. This one's going to be a little interesting, so I'm going to enlist my friend Brian to start us off here. Brian, do you want the 80s classic Can't Buy Me Love or the Michael J. Fox-helmed Teen Wolf? Choice is yours, my friend. Oh, so this one was an interesting decision for me. Um, I can't, I, I think I've seen Can't Buy Me Love, but I can't remember for sure reading through it. I'm like, maybe I might've seen it back in the day, but I definitely remember watching Teen Wolf and it definitely had some iconic moments. Um, but the more I, I and we ended up, I think the statute of limitations is up at this point. We would actually uh, rent uh, a VCR. Back in those days, you would actually rent a suitcase VCR and the videotapes, take the VCR home, hook it up, and and watch your movie that way. Um, Because nobody, most of us didn't have a VCR yet. My aunt and uncle did. They they went ahead and bought their own. So they would they would rent the, the the suitcase take it home and they would make copies of whatever they were watching and then take everything (laughs) back. I'm not saying which aunt and uncle, just in case one of the movies that they did this with was teen wolf. So I watched it repeatedly back in the eighties and I came to realize pretty quickly that, you know, this movie's not actually very good. (laughs) Um, it, it does not, it, it didn't hold up in the 80s. It definitely doesn't hold up now. Um, so I love Michael J. Fox, and I know he's got some good, some fantastic representation in this bracket. Uh, this ain't one of them. Uh, Can't Buy Me Love gets my vote. Can't Buy Me Love has its first vote. Next pick here is going to Drew. Oh boy, it's me. You are the All right. I'm echoing a lot of what Brian said about Teen Wolf. Um, I've I've never like I've seen it a few times now. I've never really gotten why so many people love it. It's just never done it for me. Michael J. Fox, great as always, but that's about it. And when it comes when it comes to supernatural, you know characters of of the 80s give me the lost boys over uh, teen wolf any day 
<laughs> but I, that's, that's not our debate here. That's not our debate on this one. I'm, I'm assuming that one's just in the bracket somewhere and not playing in anywhere. The Lost Boys is on the bracket, yes. Thank God. Um, otherwise, we were, I was going to fly down there you right not now. Not the bracket, bro. I've sent it to you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I looked at the part that I'm going over right now. Okay, it's a big ass bracket, y'all guys. It out is. There, okay, this is the mother of all brackets. Uh, but can't buy me love. Most of your male listeners are nerdy guys who can relate to the plot line, right? You're a nerdy, uncool... Yeah, you were, Chris. Shut the fuck up. No, I, I, I think <laughs> you think most of our listeners are nerdy, man. I think we have a, a really nice uh, subdivision no, of the world right now. I, I'm saying of your male listeners, we're, we're probably largely a group of nerdy guys. Not of your overall listeners, but of your male listeners. I think that's fair. And we can very much relate to the wanting to be popular, wanting to be cool, and, you know, for 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 lack of being PC, wanting a hot chick on your arm in high school, right? Brian, you were there, right? I oh, know you were cool, right? <laughs> yeah. At no point yeah. in my life have I ever, ever been cool. I think you're cool, Brian. <laughs> we but haven't so- actually met. so all things considered i guess what i'm getting at is i don't like teen wolf and i can relate to can't buy me love so it's getting my vote can't buy my love's got a second vote natalie do we have a sweep (sighs) so this was a hard one for me because i was one of those people back in the 80s that loved teen wolf and remembered it so fondly and was very excited to get the opportunity a few years ago to show it to my girls. And as I was re-watching it, I was thinking, oh, gee, this is actually isn't very good. But I didn't, my heart didn't want to admit that. I wanted to hold on to the love that I had for it. And, yeah, my it, it certainly didn't hold up. There was a lot of laughing from the girls in places where they weren't meant to be laughing um, with some of the special effects and some of the cringy moments. And then I hadn't actually seen Can't Buy Me Love, so we just watched that the other night. And I sort of, I had trouble with that storyline because it's like, how many times has this storyline been done? Um, But they did it pretty well. It was, I enjoyed seeing Patrick Dempsey so young. I've never seen him in anything so young. So that was fun to to watch him. And my 14-year-old definitely um, liked that better than than she liked Teen Wolf. So I was going to vote Teen Wolf just from the nostalgia perspective, the Michael J. Fox perspective. The and and sort of what you were saying, Brian. When you say Teen Wolf, everybody knows the movie. When you say Can't Be Buy Me Love, I think there's a bit of oh, which one was that? Was was Corey Haim in that, or who was that? So I think it's not as recognisable. Um, so I was going to vote Teen Wolf for those reasons, but I can I can accept that Can't Buy Me Love goes through for the reasons it's going through. No, can't buy my can't, can't buy me love is definitely moving on. What'd you call me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that beer was delicious, by the way. Oh, <laughs> our listeners couldn't see this; they could not see this at all. But props to Brian for one of the most epic bottle kills I've ever seen, because he literally <laughs> tipped his bottle of vodka over in front of the camera 
and shook it at least 10 times to get every drop out. <laughs> oh, that That's not vodka. That's that's my screwball, buddy. I, I, I screwball? love that stuff. Yeah. Spending oh an evening with you drives Brian to drinking. <laughs> He's not the only one. Natalie <laughs> picked up a glass to, to play tonight. Let's keep that in mind. <laughs> this morning. This morning. It's, it's yeah, morning. She's day drinking on our account. She's day drinking in front of like adorable little bunk beds. I know. I know. I got relegated the to the spare room today because the kids are on school vacation. So usually I sit up in our office um, when I've done this before, but um, the kids are around. So I've, I've holed myself up in the spare room and I have got bunk beds. And what you can't see is that there's actually colorful llamas on the, um, on the, quilt covers and yeah if you i think you can see the soft toys everywhere so all the stuff the kids have grown out of have, have moved into the spare room it, it fits with day drinking though i like I it that, that's oh, a good yeah. point i should from now on whenever i do day drink i'm gonna do it in this room you take a nap you <laughs> hug a llama that sounds awesome <laughs> yes. all right we are moving on we are over into our animated films portion of the bracket now I want to make sure this is clear to our panelists and to our listeners at home. These next two picks, the last two picks of tonight's episode are three-way picks. There are three films listed. The way this works is simple. If after the first two picks, there is a one-to-one to zero tie, the movie with zero votes is automatically eliminated, and the remaining panelists will have to pick between the other two films, regardless of what they would like to pick. Our panelists have agreed to this, and we are going to get started right now. This pick here is going to start with Drew. Drew, are you going with Fire and Ice, BFG, or the Care Bears movie? Oh, boy. Um, this, this is going to be one of my shorter ones of the evening. I... I don't really give a flying fuck about the Care Bears movie. <laughs> um, never was a big fan of the BFG. Fire and Ice gets it hands down. And I've only seen that like once. That was a while ago. But Fire and Ice is hands down getting my vote. Fire and Ice picks up its first vote. Natalie, we're over to you. Okay. So I threw the BFG out pretty quickly. I've... I've big fan of Roald Dahl but never been a big fan of that story the clutching the orphan out of her bed and telling her she can never return kind of straight off just I don't know set a bad mood for me um saw Care Bears years ago had never seen Fire and Ice so last night thought right family movie night let's put Fire and Ice on (laughs) oh no Come on, now my kids are 14 and 17, so it's not too bad. Okay, okay. But but I don't know what I was expecting, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't what I got. I was not expecting blood. I was not expecting death. I was not expecting murder. I was not expecting cartoon sexualized depiction of women. All the reasons this wins. (laughs) I wasn't expecting talking skeletons. I wasn't expecting magically induced suicide, I must admit. So call me old-fashioned, but I will take rainbows and love hearts and friendship and happy endings in my animated movies any day. I'm, call- I'm, I'm using my female 
card here and my vote goes to the Care Bears. That is not the first time to see fire and ice. (laughs) All right. Care Bears movie's got to vote. Unfortunately, the BFG has been eliminated. I will say if you can stomach it. uh, I love Spielberg. The Spielberg version of BFG is phenomenal. It's a wonderful story. And as uh, the website Collider put it, Spielberg is arguably the greatest director of all time, and God knows we're probably in his last five movies he'll ever make. Enjoy them while they're here. We are going to Brian with the last pick. You get to pick between Fire and Ice or the Care Bears movie. You know what really sucks is I had I, I had the same kind of how do you pick between these three? This is this is the three movies I don't give a shit about. <laughs> I I was actually going to give it to the BFG just on the Roald Dahl alone. Um, I didn't know that the that the Steven Spielberg Roald Dahl uh, BFG was a remake. I had to go look it up and go, oh, there really was an animated BFG. Okay. Um, I withdrew. I don't give a shit about the Care Bears. And I had heard of Fire and Ice. I love Don Bluth. I love Don Bluth's animation style. He made some wonderful stuff. Uh, the the five old, I, 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 I'm American Tale. I, American Tale. Thank you. Um, and the Secret of Nim, and just he made some really good stuff. Fire and Ice was not one of them. Um, I had never seen Fire and Ice. I just watched it this this week also. Did you watch it with children? I did not make my wife and son sit down and watch it with me. I could only find it on the computer. So I just watched it on, on my laptop. And it, it didn't even do what it was trying to do well. There, it, it, It's like it was trying to be heavy metal without quite as much heavy metal and it fell flat even even the big finale you, you don't know why exactly that guy was able to fight off the, the the evil sorcerer spell and kill the sorcerer they didn't say why he just somehow managed to do it because he was just mentally i i don't know i i can't say why they didn't explain it um I don't give a shit about the Care Bears, but I ain't voting for Fire and Ice. So if I can't vote for BFG, Whoa. Care Bears is moving on. Whoa! I will say my I, I will say my opinion here real quick. I don't care for Fire and Ice. I, it, it, it is yeah, shock value and animation. <laughs> um, if I want that, there's plenty of other movies to watch. The Care Bears movie, at least, you know what it is going in, and it doesn't disappoint. If that's what you're going for, you're not going to be disappointed in what you get. It's not my cup of tea, but I'm much more likely to sit down with my daughter and watch Care Bears than I am ever going to be Fire and Ice or BFG for that matter. So you, you two of you made the right choice here. The Care Bears movie is moving on. There was no right choice there. <laughs> not really. I will watch the Care Bears movie with my daughter. I will not watch the other two. So there is. I, I second that plan, Chris. As someone who just watched Fire and Ice with their daughters, I um. <laughs> I think you're making the right decision, and they will be very glad to hear that Care Bears won out. <laughs> I, I think so, you so should sorry. watch the child abduction movie with your kid. 
Gotta put a little healthy fear in it. <laughs> I, listen, I'm gonna be remiss if I didn't ask. I'm gonna pause the not gonna pause the recording because this is all gonna go on the air. But Natalie, what was your kid's response to fire and ice? Oh, just well, my my 17 year old is very um, she's like into movies and into a lot of alternate stuff. So she was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And she could get on board with the idea of it. My 14-year-old was horrified. She had no understanding of why the girls were dressed the way they were and just kept asking how much longer it had to go. And and she didn't make it all the way to the end. She did ask me this morning how it turned out though. So, um, but no, they were laughing. And the at one point I said something about there's not much dialogue. And then a couple of the characters did speak. And and my seventeen year old said, "It's good. There's not much dialogue because when there is, it's pretty dodgy." <laughs> so no, they enjoyed the experience of it, but um, but yes, certainly an interesting, an interesting watch. Well, I think we're moving on to an even more interesting debate. Our last play-in game for the animated films portion of the bracket. This one's going to start with Natalie. I don't hate any of these movies except for one of them, and you know which one that is. So. It's not my cup of tea. Oliver and Company versus G.I. Joe versus My Little Pony. Natalie, starting with you, take us away. Okay, so I don't know which one you hate, so my apologies in advance if I offend you. Look, I struggle with a whole lot of action sequences for the sake of action sequences in live-action movies and really struggle with it in animation. So G.I. Joe didn't cut it for me. I'm sorry. Um, and I've never been a huge My Little Pony fan. Um, it was I was a little bit, I was a few years too old when it kind of hit in the 80s. But it's similar to Care Bears, I guess, colourful, pleasant to watch. You get what you, you get what you show up for. Oliver and Company, Disney's pretty hard to say no to. Um, I do feel like Oliver and Company's a bit of a, it's just a bit of Aristocats, a bit of 101 Dalmatians and a bit of Lady and the Tramp all kind of rolled in together. But Aristocats is good, 101 Dalmatians is good, Lady and the Tramp is good, so a little bit of each of them coming together is good enough. So that one's getting my vote, but again, not with a huge amount of enthusiasm. Oliver and Company's got an unenthusiastic first vote. Brian, over to you. Okay. Well, um, I, I have similar tastes on this, actually, but My Little Pony... I, I am not a brony. I I have loved ones who are bronies and You're not a brony. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna disagree with that sentence. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna agree with it, but I'm not gonna disagree with it. Um but the half hour toy commercials of the eighties, um I mean, okay, you've got two of those in this bra- in this matchup here. I'd it's half hour toy commercials times, you know, a triple length, basically. Um, My Little Pony is not a world that I, I'm aware of it. I don't care about it. Uh, I was a little too old for G.I. Joe, the cartoon, um, but also aware of it. Uh, the very first live stage show I ever got to go to uh, high school choir. We did a field trip and we went up and we got to see the musical Oliver. 
And that story has always had a little bit of a, spe- you know, a special place for me. Um, I'll talk more about it later, possibly, but uh, this one, I, I did see Oliver and Company in the theater and enjoyed it. So I'm a Billy Joel fan. I'm a Bette Midler fan. And Oliver and Company gets my vote. Oliver and Company's up 2-0. Drew, do we have the sweep? Well, as a brony, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no one would be surprised. Uh, there, there was a, there was an instant kickoff of this list, and that was the My Little Pony movie. Could, could give a flying rat's ass about My Little Pony. Um, then we had the more interesting matchup for me. I love me some GI Joe. I, I love me some animated action sequences, uh, Natalie. So this one's a, this one was harder for me. However, um, for those of you who don't know me geographically, I, I live in the New York City metropolitan area. I'm a big fucking Billy Joel fan. I'm also a big Oliver fan. Um, Oliver Twist is probably my favorite Dickens story. Um, you know, I often find myself asking for more. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's honestly one of the more underrated uh, Disney films out there. And, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to help it advance along here. So uh, Oliver and company is, uh, is also getting my vote. Hey, y'all finally got one right. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I really thought you were pushing for My Little Pony. I'm not a My Little Pony guy. Like I have nightmares of that because my little sister had those little those little rubber ponies, and they were all over the house growing up. I hate that stuff. I can't. I will not buy one of those for my daughter. She will never watch My Little Pony unless she really, really, really wants to because she's a daddy's girl. I can't say no to that. We'll <laughs> get whatever she wants. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually gonna make her watch it. I'm gonna wake her up after this recording and make her watch it. Neither here nor there. Oliver and Company gets the vote. Oliver and Company rightfully is in the main bracket as it should be. Uh, Disney is represented pretty well in that bracket as well. So you yeah, listeners will not be disappointed. Wow. Okay, so let's let's recap real quick. So the main bracket is going to consist of Weekend at Bernie's taking on, not taking on, Weekend at Bernie's makes the main bracket. Spies Like Us makes the main bracket. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation takes out the regular vacation movie. Christmas Vacation will be a two-seat in the main bracket. The Three Amigos, not too shocking, but that movie is on the main bracket now, officially followed by Three Men and a Baby. Can't Buy Me Love takes out Teen Wolf. Can't Buy Me Love will be on the main bracket. And then the Care Bears movie and Oliver and Company will both be represented in the animated portion of the bracket. And that bracket will begin in the month of July. The month of July will be our first two quadrants in the best 80s movie bracket and before the bracket goes live we're going to be recording a special teaser episode that will run through all the picks and you'll have a really good idea of what to expect but for the month of honestly for the month of may and june uh, brian you were a part of this but i've got a bracket that i am legitimately very excited for because not only is the material controversial 
and I was a part of only two of these recordings, and they were fun. But the panelist group is top notch. So if you're a fan of the trivia community, some of these names are going to sound familiar to you. Not only do we have the incomparable Brian Nash taking part in this bracket, uh, mm. Jeff Woodhead, Stephen Ford from our show is are on there as well. From the World Trivia Federation in Liquid Courage, the incomparable Jay Borson, the hardest working, working woman in trivia, is there. And from the Trivial Warfare and Oaks Media Group versions of podcasts and shows, you know where you love her. She is just as lovely in person as she is on the show. Carmela Smith is joining us. And those five are arguing it out to determine who the best science fiction author of all time is. As of the recording of this episode, all those recordings are wrapped. Like They have very busy schedules. We got that done ahead of time. I only was involved in the first two recordings, but I know what happens. Do not miss this. There is controversy on top of controversy, and uh, we are taking some people to task, but it's a great time. If you've ever read a science fiction book, this is the bracket for you. Hands were thrown. Oh, they were throwing hand grenades. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Uh, Last night, as Brian mentioned earlier, last night they recorded the championship game, and Tim Dipple literally kept us a play-by-play on our Discord server. So if you want to, well, you won't be able to see it. It's on our private private Discord for the the people that run the show. But if you want to join us on Discord, ptebb.com slash Discord is your place to do that. If you want to support the show, guess what? All three of our panelists here tonight are are on our patreon supporters we really do thank the three of you for your continued support patreon.com slash ptebb is your exclusive home for all of our bonus content uh that's also if you enjoy what we do and you want to give back to the show tiers start as low as i think five bucks a month for the the beer level um we appreciate whatever whatever money you can throw at us all that money goes right back into making the show sound better making sure that we've got the right equipment we're getting the right people to edit the episode all that fun stuff so we can keep bringing this stuff to you on a regular basis, but neither here nor there. You've heard enough from me. Check the show notes for our Facebook, for our social medias, and all that fun stuff. Before the Boozy Bracketology podcast, I have been Chris. I have been Drew. I'm Natalie. And I'm still Brian. Are you, though? We'll see. And you know what? We will see you next week for the best sci-fi author bracket. Check back in July for the beginning of the 1980s movie Mega Bracket. Until that time, have a good one.